You are listening to episode 223 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we do the do in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So disappointed because we didn't have Mountain Dew, if that's what you're referring to there, do the do. Oh, I was gonna say we do the do we because it's kind of like it goes both ways. Sounds like a dance that I would learn in like elementary school. Yeah, we Dewey. do the Dewey. So uh, we played Dewey's Adventure on the uh, Wii, and it was certainly an adventure. Mm-hmm. So we'll go over that uh, a little later in the uh, inflation deflation segment of uh, our podcast here. But before we start. You can, of course, find the Game Deflators on thegamedeflators.com or out-of-date website. You can find us on YouTube. We're actually on there putting this recording a couple days after the fact of when it was released. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Game Deflators and on Twitter at Game Deflators. And lastly, you're listening to us on a podcast app right now. Keep listening. Also, leave us a five-star review. If you don't like the podcast app you're on right now, there's other ones out there, and we're on them too. All right. So we're mixing things up, right? Normally, we talk recent pickups, what we're currently playing. We're going to dive right into our discussion topic, any articles this week, see how it flows. Next week, we may be like, nope, doesn't sound good. Let's switch. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, Comments. Let us know in the comments. So discussion topic, we've seen a lot going on recently on like YouTube and podcasts and Twitter and everything else on DK Oldies. And funny enough, I'm getting a lot of DK Oldies advertisements on, oh, here's so-and-so, and and you just got whatever N64 that was overpriced. Let me go ahead and find this off the shelf for you and pack it up and give you a couple goodies because we recorded you. Like, dude, I've seen so many advertisements come in. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, And like Instagram videos that come up in my feed, Facebook videos that come up in that feed, um, everything DK Oldies, I guess because I've been looking it up and the algorithm thinks John's interested in buying from DK Oldies. That is far from the truth. And uh, it should be the truth for all of you to not buy from them. Um, Really the big issue that's kind of been going around recently and they're getting a lot of, you know, nasty feedback from buyers and podcasters and YouTubers and such is folks that are buying directly from them consoles. Uh, They're cracking open the consoles and these consoles are supposedly refurbished and clean and everything else are not. Now, are they specifically just PlayStation 3s? Because that's what I had seen this in reference to this morning when I watched Spawncast. No, I've seen things like people say PS2 and other consoles as well. So I don't think it's, you know, a matter of that being the case is just PS3. Like it'd be kind of odd that it was like exclusively PS3 is the only console. That Maybe he was just to. using that as a marker because he was saying that like they're trying to sell the backwards compat PS3s for like 400 bucks refurb, but it's not. I mean, it very well could, and they just haven't cleaned it. I mean, look, the refurb process on an old PS3 is backwards compatible, as far as I know, is you're supposed to heat up the entire board, and you're supposed to reflow the entire board, and even that is not a proper fix, apparently. Um, I've only gone about it once or twice, and it's been years since I really messed with repairing a PlayStation 3. Personally, I didn't do it, but we, um, the shop that I used to work at years ago... Uh, when it was, you know, prominent with Xbox 360s and uh, PS3s uh, with the yellow light of death. Yeah, we would reflow those consoles, but we would tell people it's not a guaranteed work. Mm-hmm. Like, it would it would be like a matter of, 
there were some people we would reflow it or the person that we had reflowing would reflow the you know the ps3 or the 360 and then like two days later a person would come and be like oh it's doing the same thing mm. like it's red light again and we're just like nope we're not going to warranty that like we told yeah. you this couldn't happen again and it did um and we we would honestly have people that would reflow again <laughs> after mm-hmm. the fact which was so dumb i personally uh when my yellow light or my ps3 yellow lighted uh i had somebody that we both knew um went ahead and reflowed it for me so i could take all of my save data ps1 ps2 and ps3 data i put it on a thumb drive it died again like within a week but I had all that save data on a thumb drive that I could, of course, place on yeah, my yeah. new PS3 and, uh, you know, put on my PS2 eventually. So I've got, like, the memory card adapter for mm-hmm. PS3. So at any point, I just haven't done it. I could pop it into my PS3, take the data from PS2 games, and start playing those old PS2 games again. Nice. Haven't done that yet, but it's an option. Um, but you had asked me earlier before we were recording as far as, like, would we clean our consoles out on the inside? And the answer is double-sided, right? If I got a console, for example, that I traded in, say it was a PS2 back then, we would give like 20 bucks cash back when I was working there. We would sell it for 60, right? So 20 bucks cash, sell for 60. Now, if I was to take that console and give it to our repair guy and say, hey, it's in working order, but I want you to clean it, he would charge me 25 bucks mm-hmm. to clean it, right? Crack it open, time that he spend to clean it, and yeah. then... No way I'm doing that because the guy was contracted to us. Mm-hmm. So generally what we would do is just if it worked, we would go in with a toothbrush and, you know, clean out any dust. We would just blow anything that we could out from the little vents or fans or anything of that nature. Exterior wise, it'd be completely dust free, clean yeah. and all that. Interior wise, couldn't speak to that, but I'm sure there was a lot of dust in there. And a lot of that just kind of came down to the fact that we had to turn product around really quick. So yeah. we weren't going to sit there and mess with every single console that came Wipe in. Wipe it down, play test it, make sure it doesn't look horrible. Yeah, pretty Get it much. out the door. Yeah, and we warrantied it. So it's, you know, it had like a 30-day warranty on the on the game console. So if you played it and it went to shit, we'd give you your money back or yeah. give you a replacement console. Obviously, a replacement console first. Uh, but that was kind of the process. And I'm sure a lot of used game stores do exactly that. Like GameStop, for example. Do you think they're honestly no. going to be paying people to sit back and refurb every single console that comes in? No. Doubtful. And the same thing with DK Oldies. Now, they've I've seen some videos where like, oh, yeah, this console's not working. So we're going to go in and do a laser replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. You're going to clean it then because you've already got yeah. it cracked open. But if it's working already, not gonna you're not going to do that. Well, and so another thing that I've heard is, you know, with this site, it's not like eBay. You're not getting pictures of the product you're buying. You're getting a generic stock yep. photo saying, we have this item in stock. Would you like to buy one? Mm-hmm. Like from Target or any other retail website where it's like, well, it's important for me to know the condition. Like I have heard of people buying from like Gamefly and getting surprisingly decent results from that. But like usually sight unseen is not how you want to buy disc-based media. Well, and specifically a console, because like it's one thing to buy, like I buy video games on eBay all the time that are sight unseen, right? And I just did it with uh, Baroque recently, where it said very good condition. And that was it. There was nothing else to it. So that's why I was like, hey, does it have the manual and artwork or the art slip? Oh, yeah, it does. It was literally a stock image. I didn't even see. Mm. And it was a blurry stock image on top of that that the people put up. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to I have eBay protection, right? I'm going to go on a limb. It doesn't say scratched. It does say very good condition, which is within eBay policy. So maybe it's okay. And bought it sight unseen. It was fantastic. Probably the best shape for a game I've ever actually bought on eBay um, that 
was kind of in that setting, right? Not knowing and seeing the disc. So, you know, I think at times it's okay because I buy stuff all the time where it's like, yeah, good condition, might have some light scratches. Or it might be like, like new, and I get it, and it's scratched as shit, which mm-hmm. I had recently. And those are situations that you contact the company and you return it. And I don't see why DK Oldies would have any issue taking back a scratched game if they sold it as as that, right? Or do a replacement. But then again, I don't buy on DK Oldies because their shit is overpriced. Yeah. Like ex- exorbitantly overpriced. Like the same thing that I think a PS2 bundle on there is like 200 something dollars, if I'm correct. Is it as good as our PS2 bundles? If I sold a PS2 bundle right now, it'd probably be far less than that. Well, no, I mean... If you want to go back, listeners, and listen to our PlayStation 2 oh. <laughs> Starter Kit Showdown episode, we've got an idea of how you could spend at least 200 bucks on a PS2, maybe only 150 Yeah, you know, we should have like a, a little asterisk next to those Starter Kit Showdowns. It's like pricing not based off DK Oldies. Because like there's no, dude, there'd be impossible. Like, oh, you want a GameCube collection for like under 300 bucks? Well, guess what? DK Oldies is like $300 yeah. for like one game and two controllers. And of course, console. So... Um, yeah. Anything else on that? No, it's just, I, I had heard about it, uh, like I said, a little bit late to the game this morning. I guess everybody else has been talking about it for a while and I don't have ads on YouTube because I've got premium. So like any, any time people are talking about ads, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I think the big thing is that if they're obviously saying it's refurbished and selling it as, you know, dirty on the inside, then that's one thing. Um, it should be marked as new. Yeah. Or used. Used, Is yeah. what he was saying. So he was saying, you know, like, if you're going to market refurbished, people expect something more than what a new console is. They expect that you would have done something. He was going as far as saying, like, replacing, like, the thermal compound and stuff. But it's like, that would be, I guess, what he would expect because he worked in that field. Like, if you were buying refurbished, you would expect more than just what you're getting as a used console you would expect that it had something done to it and maybe it's like coming back to you in a more like newer condition here's the thing refurbished is a very very loose term refurbished could be the lid on my slim ps2 was broken and i need a new lid that's it right or there were screws that were missing from the bottom well new screws like little things like that you know it could be on a wii console well the the top lid for the gamecube ports and the memory cards and a front were gone we put new ones on there that's refurbished so i mean i think it's a very loose definition in the interpretation in which people have now if they specifically on their website say a refurbished console is the following and mm-hmm. it breaks down everything that could happen mm-hmm. you know maybe it That'd does be say, ridiculous because yeah. it could be anything like you said yeah and maybe it does include cleaning of the interior and all that now if they specifically say hey our refurbished consoles are cleaned on the interior blah 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 then cool, then it should be the case when you get it. But if it could say may include one of the following to be considered refurbished, then yeah, if they just put on like a new lid or they put on like the little PS2 logo or they put in some new screws or maybe some of the little paddings on the bottom mm-hmm. are, were missing and they're putting in new ones of that. Um, maybe they just cleaned it because there were scuffs on it and it was dirty. Like there's anything. I don't think cleaning counts refurbished. I, I mean, I'm just saying like if it depends that's, on. That's the, what we're trying to say. Like I know. there's a level where refurbished should mean something more. It should. Yes, I agree. Now, is that stated explicitly on their website? I maybe don't know. Maybe we need I don't a fourth classification. What would that be? Like, uh, like used just, like new. 
use like i mean well you have that i mean that is like something we used to but you don't really apply that to like a console like if you think about that like what that would mean that it's clean inside it's fully functioning it has all of its original stuff like used like new condition yeah like you know and that could be mean that it wasn't refurbed at all like maybe it had nothing broke with well, it. Well, if you look on Amazon and you were to buy on Amazon like a used PlayStation 2, for example, they do have that designation on there, used like new, used acceptable, used good condition, et cetera, broken down. So, I mean, the terminology is there, but it's up to each retailer to determine what that terminology is and what's entailed in their Yeah, I guess there's not really an industry standard. Not really. I mean, that's why I said it's up to everybody's interpretation. And, you know, it, here's the thing, and uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get canceled on this by YouTubers, but, you know... <laughs> who's to say that like people aren't just buying these console or saying they're buying these consoles and then just like showing older ones to like slam DK oldies because of the, the high price nature and what DK oldies does. To That's the not going to make them drive their prices down. That's a pretty like flawed attack. No, but what it does do is it drives overall reviews down. It drives down brand recognition. It drives a lot of things down in the market and puts a negative connotation on them. So, you know, I'm not saying that. I mean, people love to hate. Yeah, people love to hate. And I mean, is it possible? I'm not saying they are, but is it possible that there are people out there that are, for the sake of making videos and getting clicks, putting up, you know, consoles that they didn't actually buy from DK Oldies? It's possible. Um, but I'm not going to say, like, this YouTuber definitely did that and that YouTuber did it. No, like, maybe they did buy a console from DK yeah, Oldies who knows? and came in that way. But I mean, it's hard to tell because it's not like, you know, I could very easily right now take a box slice open a bottom, take out all the contents, retape it, and you would never know the difference on video. You just wouldn't. So, I mean, it is possible that type of stuff is happening as well. But, I mean, the only way to really tell for sure is if you walked into DK Oldies and started taking apart consoles that were labeled as refurbished and, and kind of go from there. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy situation in general, but um, it is what it is. Regardless, if you're listening, do not buy from DK Oldies. It's just poorly priced to begin with there's other ways to buy games cheaper locally as well as ebay and you know third-party resale shops that are not dk oldies that have fair pricing as well yeah so. i mean do it you know the good old ebay way yep all right so a few things that we're going to talk about this week are classic not classic <laughs> classic pokemon games are rumored for switch online that's a dalton cooper at game rant uh, Hasbro CEO on D&D Fiasco. We misfired on the OGL, but have since course corrected. That's Polygon. That's Charlie Hall uh, that wrote this one. And then the 25 best video game remakes. Uh, this is GameSpot, and it's Darren uh, Bonifuse, if I'm reading that right, or Bonfuse. So like that. first one is uh, Pokemon. So what's interesting here is... They bring up the fact that the 3DS eShop and all of that, right, closing down and that it's going to be more difficult to play Pokemon games on Nintendo hardware. And you've got, you know, red and blue and yellow and silver and all these other games that were uh, exclusively on the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and then in some instances came back on like the Advance and then obviously the DS for like Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Um, and then the fact that they are not present on any of the shops is concerning to some because, well, you know, how am I going to play it? Uh, so there are rumors that potentially we could see Pokemon, uh, specifically the original ones, um, or the classic games, put out on February 27th as part of a celebration for Pokemon, which would be pretty cool, um, or not. So I guess my question to you is, do you even care if Pokemon is put out on Switch Online? 
Yeah, I think that'd be sick. Like, the NSO, I've been checking out the Game Boy portion. I haven't tried out the Game Boy Advance portion yet. But I was playing some, uh, what is it, Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. Is that the one? Uh, I think that's the Golden Coins one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing some of that because that's, like, super nostalgic. Um, But, yeah, throw Pokemon on there, man. Like, people would love that. And they're also talking about, like, they got rid of the not communication line for Pokemon Stadium in the Japanese description. So maybe it can somehow access like if they were to put stadium able to access the data from the game boy emulated game then maybe you could upload those pokemon into that one that would be kind of cool that'd be cool i mean there'd be no reason to do the playing the game in the game (laughs) mode but yeah that would be kind of neat and if you could trade and battle you know wirelessly that would be really cool I don't know if there would be any way that they could potentially, like, I don't know, like, hack the system and make it so you can trade out of there up to more current gens or something. I mean, I don't know if the first gen Pokemon have all the metadata that they would need to, like, exist in a new Pokemon world, though. I've always questioned, they don't have, like, like, abilities and stuff. Can't you do that, though? Like, if I had a Mewtwo that I had on, like, my Pokemon Red, isn't there a way to transfer it all the way up to, like, the most current generation other than switch obviously i don't know there's got to be there's got to be something like that but this would be potentially a route into doing that because you know there's physically almost no way for a regular person to just do that you have to like buy all the exclusive stuff and figure it out yeah i'm sure like you know getting trade link cables and all kinds of different game boys and stuff but i think that the amount of hype it would generate and i think the amount of goodwill that it would generate too because like as far as i know there's never been like hey here's here's pokemon you know no sticker price like obviously you have to pay for the service and it's at least the game boy is a part of like the 20 dollar a year service Mm -hmm. but that would be like a huge amount of like okay cool you just made so many people super happy, you know, you've given light back to these originals, which, you know, I feel is better than maybe doing like Fire Red and Leaf Green on the GBA. Like as good as those are, like you can always do that later, I guess. I would rather see the original three come back, like put red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. You know, I could totally see Nintendo doing it and throwing it on there. With the assumption that they would also be releasing, like re-releasing games. Now, obviously, they had Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, which is pretty much red and blue to an extent, right? Um, and then they've recently done the what Diamond and Pearl. Yeah, I think, so that next they released. is Black and White. Yeah, and those are like the ones that people say are like super legit. Like yeah. the story in it is pretty good, and it's got like consequences. It's the only one with like a direct sequel. It's got yeah, true. Like a lot going for that gen, and that's the one where I was like, "Oh, cool! I got a Zepstrika," and then I just like never played it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got I've got Black and White and Black and White too, but um, you know, I could see Nintendo uh, potentially throwing those on there, but only with the exception of like something else is being announced alongside that to kind of drive up that hype and get people like, "Oh, cool!" Pokemon. Well, this could delay 
this could fill the gap. Like if they can release Pokemon games on here, mm-hmm. you know, because maybe they need another year for that one. That'll fill that year. Well, yeah, and I guess the the other thing to to think about here is if they're releasing a new Switch console, which I know is your favorite subject, mm. and that new Switch console is going to have like black and white, for example, as the new release, right? Or the, the first Pokemon on it, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I could see that being a situation where, like, hey, let's get everybody hyped. Let's release red, blue, and yellow. Mm-hmm. Throw it onto the Switch with the understanding, like, oh, by the way, we're announcing this new Switch console, and it's gonna have black and white is getting thrown in this new console as like the first Pokemon game on the console. I could see that that as a way as well to kind of like get that momentum going. But just to throw it on there, to throw it on there, I can't see Nintendo doing that. Um, so while these rumors are floating around as potentially Pokemon hopping on the Switch Online. I also have my doubts, unless there's something tied to it. It just doesn't make sense to throw it on there by its own. You know, having this conversation, I'm thinking where I wasn't thinking before, I think it would make more sense to do gold and silver, honestly, because they do have Let's Go well, gold, on here, gold and like silver, that's a Switch game. Yeah, but they had Heart Gold and Soul Silver released on DS. So yeah, but you can't play that on anything anymore. Like, well, that was DS. and that was a, but it was a dual screen game. Like they would have to basically undo all the cool stuff that they made it DSified with, and just have new graphics or something. But like doing the original of those two would be a way to get it. Okay, here's something for the Game Boy service. Here's something Pokemon that's a generation that's not available. Because then if you've got Let's Go, that's Gen 1, then you would have this for Gen 2, and then you've got... um, Ruby and Sapphire. Which would need to be filled, but then you've got Diamond and Pearl. So if you start remaking from there, that would be... You would only have one Gen left to fill if you just started with Gold and Silver here. Yeah, realistically, that's what it would... And you know, it's odd that they released Diamond and Pearl, right? Like, as a remake. Like, why not go to gold and silver and, and remake that. I guess they because they remade it once. Yeah, I, I get Everybody it. gets one turn first. Yeah, true. Don't worry. We'll get remakes of all these again, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to get the remake of a remake for sure. It'll be like a remastered. So What I think would be way... We're going way off topic with this, but like... Ah, it's Pokemon. The, instead of remaking the Pokemons, what they should do is just like decide on an art style and then stick all the Pokemons together so you can travel to all the different worlds. Dude, that'd be badass. I would love something like that. And like all of the different like uh, protagonists as well, oh. like in the game and all the antagonists are kind of tied in some capacity. That's the other reason why you just go with gold and silver because they already have Kanto in it. Yeah. It's already built in. Mm. Good point. Well, and you know how Nintendo and Pokemon Company are, right? They just like the code over from stuff five years ago. So it'll be perfect with Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, you just beat Mount Moon. Well, you just beat the game in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to our next subject here. And that's uh, Hasbro's CEO on the D&D fiasco. So this one was actually pretty interesting because everybody's like, we won, we won. Like, And I think you had mentioned it too. Like we we kind of stuck it to the man by you know, canceling our D&D Beyond subscriptions. And Hasbro's like, we didn't lose any money. Like anything like, you know, of significant value from D&D Beyond. And in fact... A lot of those people that like boycotted or canceled their subscriptions, they said a, a number of them are willing to come back. Now, how much of that is corporate shareholder talk? You know, who knows? Um, but it does seem likely that, hey, look, you know, we fixed the thing with the OGL. We understand we screwed up. This is in our goodwill that we're going to move forward in this manner. 
Um, we're still going to go forward with all these other plans, which is great. Um, would you be willing to come back on the D&D Beyond? And on top of that, they're probably giving them like discount codes and freebies and other things for coming back on anyways. How so, familiar are you with D&D Beyond? A little, because I've got an account and such. And, okay, you know, so what can you do? if, From my memory, D&D Beyond, you can use it for free. Yep. And you can make like a character or like five characters or something. Yeah, you can use it to kind of house and things your on DM there. DM can give you access to like books that they own or something. Yeah, and I think you can buy like books as well and have it in a PDF version. So that's the thing. Yeah. If you lose your membership, you already bought the books, right? So if you cancel, you can still access what you purchased. So the smart thing that I've noticed, and at least it happened with the Dark Souls RPG book that I picked up recently. I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast, but it actually has a PDF version that you can download as well. That's cool. So like it's physical book, but a PDF version. And I don't think Wizards does that. No, or really don't. Hasbro. Um, so which that's the biggest sucks. ripoff. Yeah. Well, not really. If you think about like their their thought process is, you know, if you have a D and D Beyond subscription, right, or not even subscribe, just say you have an account, right? And I buy the book physically because I always do, but you may want to do it on PDF. That's money that they're losing out on that you could have said, hey, I'm joining a campaign and I know that I need Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Hey, John, you've got the book, right? Yeah, but I got the special edition and I'm not just going to loan out a hundred something dollar physical copy. You're probably going to want to grab your own copy. Well, if you're, so the thing is, if you have the membership, I think as the DM, you can share the books. But if you, stop like buying the membership i think you can own you're the only one who can access your books at this time so anybody who had already bought into D beyond and purchased their books wizards already has all that money which is hundreds of dollars because they're still charging like full price for the books or close to it i'm yeah. sure mm -hmm. so it's like if you cancel your membership like yeah you're only it? hurting your own access and ability to use what you already paid them for so all the money they got they already got most of that. Yeah. So like it really wouldn't hurt them that much because all they're losing is the potential future five bucks a month or whatever from a few thousand people. Like yeah. that's really not much. It, it really isn't. And, you know, I guess their their view on it was like, okay, well, here's a significant like impact or not significant impact, but here's the impact. People are canceling subscriptions. Uh, they're leaving D&D Beyond, so D&D Beyond being a hashtag. They're moving over to things like Pathfinder. Pathfinder's obviously sell, like sold out, actually. I think they're still sold out of their, like, their, you know, books. their books. Yeah, like people just jump the Pathfinder all of a sudden, not realizing it's a little more complex from my understanding. Um, so I think the way they saw that was like, you know what, let's fix this OGL thing. Let's go ahead and get this like situated and resolved. Because if you just continue to move forward with the OGL as they were planning on doing it, now you're just going to alienate more and more and more people. They've probably already lost whoever they've lost. But to your point, they already have their money. So whatever. So we get back some people that are like, okay, cool. I'm good with this. You resolve the OGL. You listen to the consumer. I'm happy with that. I'm going to continue going on and playing my D&D. And I'll see what D&D 1 is about and all of that, right? Yeah. You're going to have some people are like, nope, screw you, wizards. I'm going over Well, And it's to going to be so integrated into D&D 1, probably, yeah. that like anybody who wants to even check it out, casually is probably going to it'll probably be cheaper and easier to go into it and dip your toes through D&D Beyond than to go and buy brand new books just to look at a game that you resent from how they treated the OGL like nobody's going to go out and do that they would you know oh I can pay five bucks and play it for a month 
Yeah, why not? Yeah. People might do that, get back into it. So everybody that left, you know, 80% of those people are potential returns once they launch their next wave. And I mean, they, sorry, they responded in a similar way with uh, Magic when they got devalued like the first time and they did that like, um, you know, fireside chat or whatever. And they were saying, you know, everybody's complaining that we're overprinting product. But if you look at our numbers, everybody's buying it. Like your consumer actions and what you're saying don't match up. And Hasbro's going to do whatever the money, wherever that is. If you're buying every magic set or you're buying every D&D book, they're going to keep making more and more because it keeps selling. Yeah, exactly. And, and people say they're going to boycott and yeah. then they don't because they I, never do. Boycotts never work. No, they, they never do. And I'll say like I pre-ordered the most or the next, you know, D&D book. I have no shame in saying that I've pre-ordered the next D&D book and I fully Well, yeah, because it'll be that. worth $400 in 10 years. Well, not necessarily that, but like... But it will be. It. Like, that's the truth. Oh, there it is. I'm trying to get my mouse to, to move <laughs> on the page and it's like not wanting to at all for some reason. So you might have to mess with it here. Um, yeah, my mouse is like... What do you need to mouse for? I'm trying to scroll down and see what our next topic is. Oh, I got it. Okay. <laughs> so next up, we have the 25... Oh, we're all done with that one? Yeah, okay. you know, I think so. I mean, it's to your point, boycotts are not going to work. Obviously, it didn't impact Hasbro as much as it did. However, you know, I can look at it from the perspective of they fixed what they said that they screwed up on. They admitted defeat in that respect. Magic, to your point, yes, so much product has come out, and it makes absolute complete sense that they're like, you know, you're buying it, so we don't care. And frankly, it's just what it is. Like, I know people that are still playing Magic, that are like, man, I just need to stop because they keep releasing cards. They keep doing this, keep doing that. Well, then why are you here on a Friday? Like, just I stop like playing. Draft. Yeah, I like draft I as like well. I like doing draft, and I definitely am going to go hard on the Lord of the Rings set. I need to buy the Phyrexia stuff. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that because, like, I want to stop playing Magic, but and I haven't played in a while, but it's a set that I'm interested in. I do want to play, yeah. and I don't have any reason to, you know, boycott them over really anything, even a product. I mean... Yeah, they're washing it down, but it's like, you know, it's whatever. As long as they don't reprint a ton of crap, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I don't know what happened to. Is it working on on your end there? Yep. Yeah, I don't know why it won't work for me. All right. So Stupid next mouse. up, we've got the 25 best video game remakes. Uh, we'll kind of casually go through this list a little bit here, and you know, if something stands out, because a lot of these I haven't touched, but. My big takeaway from this list is that these are all, like, tremendous games. Uh, you know, they put a lot of work into these remakes. Some of them are, you know, much different. Some of them are, you know, really just much better versions of the originals. But, like, at the end of the day, what this list of games is, is access for current players to be able to get a hold of these games and, you know, Play it for the new generation in a revitalized way. You know, keep those stories alive and going. Keep the prices kind of down because, you know, some of those older original titles might be more expensive than these are going to be used, you know, in a couple of years. But these are really going to be the definitive way, mostly, to play these games. Moving forward, like 90% of people are never going to go back older than these versions of these games to play because it's just going to be too much too many barriers and yeah. some of these aren't like brand new either but 
like the first one, we've got Final Fantasy VII Reunion. This is probably the one that's the original has the most to still be gained from playing it and will perpetually be available. You'll always be able to get like a $10 copy of Final Fantasy VII digitally, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Dead Space Remake just came out. That was huge. Like yep. people really dig that and like people are driving them to like, hey, push for two and then push to make three the way it should have been instead of the dumpster fire it was. <laughs> You know, and that's the power of some of these games too. Like, if they get a great second new life, the ability for those studios to go back and then push for more does exist. Well, the next one here is definitely a favorite for me, being Demon Souls. And uh, you know, I played that on the PS3 though, so you could still technically go play that. Well, and that's worse. Like, I mean, arguably, it's like the hardest one of the like original like couple of Souls games, Demon Souls, right? Because it's a little older and a little jankier, and this probably cleans some of that up. Yeah, it's still a fantastic game, though, nonetheless. Destroy All Humans, I have no history with. I do. People like this, though. I, I do, and uh, even back on the PS2, it had great graphics and Xbox as well. Um, we should play this one sometime. I think you'd like it. Not necessarily the uh, remake, but the original. And I had a blast playing Destroy All Humans. It's a ton of fun, dude. So the fact that they remade that, I was ecstatic when that happened. Okay, I, I totally screwed up. What? When I was talking about Crisis Core earlier, I was thinking Final Fantasy VII in my head, but Crisis Core was actually the first one on the list. Nobody's going back and playing old Crisis Core on PSP after this one's released, but Final Fantasy VII Remake? Yeah, digitally. People are going back to play original Final Fantasy yeah. VII. Well, and coincidentally, next on the list is Final Fantasy VII Remake. So this is different, though, because while they are remaking it, it's like... Totally different way. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. This we is a whole they, different experience. Yeah, we knew they were going to Harry Potter this thing and like release multiple discs at multiple years, and it's going to take forever. Dude, I moved to Ari when I moved to Arizona. The first game was announced, and it's still still not the second game. So yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of tells you where it's at. We haven't even seen a trailer or heard a breath about it, and it's already three years old. Yeah, it's it so was twenty twenty, right? Or was it twenty nineteen? 2019, because I was living in that other house. Okay. Yep. Next up, Fire Emblem Echoes uh, Shadows of Valencia. I have not really played that many Fire Emblems, but like, if it makes like, so you don't have to buy a SNES or whatever it originally came out on to play it, boom. Uh, I think that was a 3DS. No. No, it wasn't. No, you're right. You're right. Go on. Go it's got to be something. I don't know here. enough about Fire Emblem, to be uh, honest. Ghosts and Goblins, Resurrection, both of those games are super fucking hard and nobody should play either of them. Well, you know, it's <laughs> totally unnecessary. Like, why remake that? I mean, you have... I just don't see... It was probably like... Some games like that, you know, like, would there be a need to remake something that's like such a classic, like, arcade game? I mean, maybe not, but like to give it new life for a new generation and to make it easier to play yeah, or give it more options. Like maybe this has an easier, easy mode in it. I don't know. We played, we played one of these games at some point. Probably. Black Mesa. Now that one is like definitely the way to play Half-Life if you've not played Half-Life. Uh, the next one here, Last of Us Part 1. We all know how I feel about Last of Us Part 1's remake. And what's <laughs> sad is I'll probably play the remake at some point because my wife wants to play Last of Us because of the show. And we've talked about that. I think we talked about it with, um, was it with Barry? Maybe. Probably Barry. No, we talked about it um, with, uh, with Mark Okay. when he was on. So yeah, uh, go check out that episode. That's a lot of fun. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's one in particular that it just drives me crazy because we had the remaster on PS4 and then we got the remake on PS5. And not all of yeah. these are, I mean, one thing that they maybe could have done, maybe they could have put the uh, Metroid Prime that just came out on here instead of that. Yeah, that's true. Um, next up, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. This one, I have this one, is adorable. Yeah, it's great. It's super cute, but like the original is such like a good classic. It's also available on NSO. Yeah. So like they can both live side by side. You could play either one of those and be happy, but I think it makes the world richer that you have access to both. Now, next one, I see a picture of a trash can. So I'm wondering what this one is. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D. Um, we all know how I feel about this game personally. Um, if you go back to uh, prior episodes uh, for my new game's resolution in 2022, I shit all over this game because Link is a potato. Uh, but that all being said, you know, it, it is a good remake in general on the 3DS. And uh, I did play a little bit of it. Um, and as long as it's an upgrade over the uh, N64 version, I think it's worth grabbing over the N64 version. And then uh, Live Alive I need or to get Live that. Alive. I need to get this. Yeah. Like, so it's on my list. This is one of those ones that got, like, the HD pixel graphic remake. And it's, you know, a game nobody really thought about coming back. But this is one of those games that gives people excitement. Because if they can bring this back, they can bring anything back. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, there's so many RPGs out there that really deserve a Western release and never got it. And uh, Mother 3. Uh, yeah, that you've got a even Terra Enigma, despite that there's a PAL version, it didn't get a US release or North America release outside of you know what I've got, uh, Repro. So, Mafia yeah. Definitive Edition. I never played Mafia, but I played Mafia 2, and that game is sweet. Yeah, I haven't played Mafia. Um, Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes, I think this is a remake of the uh, first one, actually, yeah. and um. I played the first one. I like the first one. And this game is super expensive on the GameCube. So no interest for me to buy it for that reason alone. I'll Isn't just... this also available in the like Xbox 360, PS3? They did like a pack, no, collection pack? No, and that's so disappointing. Like I think that one had Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, if I recall. Okay. Kind of like, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I'd have to look, actually. I don't recall that one. I mean, uh, got, it doesn't have Twin Snakes, though, because it, the reason Twin Snakes is so much money it's only on the GameCube, GameCube is because on the GameCube, yeah. All right, we got back-to-back -back Metroid, Samus Returns, and Metroid Zero Mission. So that's the remake of 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, you know, these ones both get a lot of love. Uh, Samus Returns is a 3DS game, and Zero Mission is a GBA game. And, you know, we'll probably see, I would expect, Metroid Zero Mission at some point in the future on the NSO service. Yeah. Well, let's see. There's a lot here. We could probably just go through by name for many of these. Um, yeah, let's yeah, clean it up. Yeah, Oddworld, New and Tasty is on this list. Uh, Pokemon Heart Gold, Soul Silver. We've that's a legendary about. one. Yes, that's a great one. Uh, let's go Pikachu and Eevee. That, that actually was pretty good. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I wasn't that wasn't terrible. The one that confused me on this list was Ratchet and Clank. 2016. That's not really a remake of the first one. That was like a new... It's a remake of the first one. Was it? I thought yeah. it was like a new one that was like the movie. Didn't they make a movie and this was like part of that? The movie was basically the game. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, it was actually a pretty good adaptation. Uh, it's a great movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, Resident Evil 2. 
People love that. Yeah, totally get why it's on her. Shadow of the Colossus, as janky as that final battle was, it is a beautiful This one's going to get another remake at some point in VR, and it's going to blow everybody away. Oh, dude, beautiful game. Totally right. I need Eco, though, on there. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, you and I have played this. We did an inflation-deflation segment on it. Um, It did so good that they decided they were not going to let them make any (laughs) more. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... XCOM Enemy Unknown. Have you played that? I've not played any of the XCOM games, but I know people love Yakuza, so they got Yakuza Kiwami 1 and 2. Yep, and uh, I've actually got those because they were cheap. Uh, dude, for Wilder, you could get the Yakuza games for like 10 bucks a pop on the remasters. So They're like all on Game Pass. Yeah, I'm sure. The new one just came back, uh, Ishin. Yeah. So, um, I guess, quick question on there. Is there anything that you personally would love to see remade? Um, man, something remade. You know, I think it would be pretty sweet to get, like, maybe God of War, like, the original one, like a nice paint, you know, uplift, facelift. Yeah. Make it all pretty. Like, there's not a whole lot you really need to do to it but like if it just looked a lot better i think that that would be pretty sweet and pretty like well received you don't have to go back and monkey with it too much yeah you've got the remaster on ps3 but i mean i I get what you're saying like even that remaster just looks like a little more polished but it's not like a remake and a remake would be badass of god of war uh for me it would have to be chrono cross Mm. 100 chrono cross if that game like we had the remaster i was releasing it some play asia I, i could get it on there i guess but I would love to get a full-blown remake of that game. It's such a fantastic game. I just thought of the worst thing they could do. Hmm. <laughs> Follow me on this, okay? And this sounds like something so likely to happen, too. What if they remade Kingdom Hearts and then added more story to it? <laughs> <laughs> They were like, okay, we didn't know where Kingdom Hearts was going to go. Let's go back and pretend like we knew where it was going to go and remake the first one again. If this happens, I don't know if it's just because Square is just that evil of a corporation. or <laughs> Nobody if, would know what's Or happening. if they actually listen to us. Or maybe they could do it so that people would be able to follow the rest of the games in a way that makes more sense. We've remade it and we've condensed the story into an easy-to-follow timeline. You've got Kingdom Hearts 1, 1.2, 1. 1. 1.4, and then you've got Dream Drop Distance 3.6. Yeah, I, I could totally see Square doing it. All right. Well, this is the part where we normally talk inflation, deflation, but we're going off of our current pickups and what we're, uh, or recent pickups and what we're currently playing. So, pickup wise, um, I'll bring it up, you know, the, the Apple thing, mm. because it is kind of relevant to our discussion that we had with Phil last week. Um, you know, I, I like to pick things up and, and, uh, you know, obviously collect video games, but occasionally you come across a lot of games that you already own. And you're not just going to turn down a bundle of games because, well, oh, I own five of those ten. And especially if you're going to get a good price, right? So we all sell those games or occasionally trade them. I've done some trades as well. But I ended up finding an Apple HomePod, an Apple HomePod Mini. Normally, when I would see Apple products, I would not care. I wouldn't touch them. Uh, but these apparently are like 150 for like the big one, and then the minis are like 75 bucks a piece. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I buy those for like less than 60 bucks, flip them, 
and then buy video games that I've been wanting for such a long time, right? Yeah. So like that's, that's always, a lot of good quality pickups. And that's, you know, kind of when the way you kind of consider is like if you have an opportunity to flip something, even if it's not a game, just do it. Because like what are you by not doing it, what are you doing? You're leaving it for somebody like me or somebody like, you know, maybe another reseller to go in and find that exact same item, do exactly what you could have done. And you're not making that money and putting it towards games you want because mm-hmm. you decide to not invest in something else. Yeah. Like we were saying last week, if you can't thrift games, thrift what you can yeah. and then turn that into games. There's a profit on everything. Like everything has a dollar amount. Right. Um, except kids clothing at a garage sale. That's just 50 cents a piece uh, is what I've learned. But yeah, I mean, everything's got a good value to it. And uh, it just, you know, not everything, but you get what I mean. Like yeah. if, if there's something that can sell, it's going to sell. And I think I forget who's a Gary V. I think is the guy's name that like he's some influencer that I occasionally comes up on my feed. But like he the way he kind of positioned it was like mugs, for example. Right. Like coffee mugs. There's a there's a market for coffee mugs. Yes, there it is. It ain't me. I know it's not. It you, ain't me. But there is a market for. Don't ever types. get me a coffee mug. I'm sorry if you hear <laughs> this and you've got me a coffee mug. Thank you for giving me a gift. It's the thought that counts. But don't get me another coffee mug. I don't <laughs> like, want it. So I'm gonna throw it out my window. But there's a market for it, right? So like there are coffee mugs that sell online for stupid amounts of money. And so if you can find certain coffee mugs, you can sell them, right? And make that money. Well, like a Garfield coffee mug or something? It could be anything. It could be a Garfield mug. It could be a Las Vegas mug that's like from, I don't know, the 80s or something. It just depends. There's a market for certain collectibles. My wife's mom used to collect salt and pepper shakers. Mm. Those sell online. People collect Pez dispensers. Like, Mm. those sell online. So point being is that if you know about something, you might as well dive into it and try to sell it. Now, the people that drive me crazy are the ones that you find in Goodwill who have scanners and are literally scanning every single barcode because they're just trying to find anything and anything they can that can sell for some minor profit. Whereas like somebody like me, I'm actively going in, oh, that looks interesting. Let me grab that. Oh, maybe this is worth something. Let me look it up and kind of go from in that perspective. Whereas they're just like raiding. And there's people that do that with video games too. They'll walk in a thrift store and they'll literally buy every single thing they can and get as cheap as they can and not care what games they actually grab. So Mm -hmm. I said, that was my big pickup was that um, also in that pickup, I got a Wii U console for 40 bucks, but it didn't have any of the cables, but it worked. Uh, So that was kind of cool to find that. I did get some PS4 games recently. I had them in here. I don't know where they're at. Um, What else I pick up? Uh, I think that was about it, actually, on pickups. Oh, um, no, it was Xbox games I picked up before Phil. I was thinking about that, but yeah, was, that was before Phil. Uh, so yeah, that was on Monday, but I grabbed that. Um, what else? Oh, Xbox 360 games. I picked some of those up too. Um, I got like Command and Conquer, um, on the 360. I don't remember which one it is. It's like somebody's Revenge or something, or Kane's Revenge. I think is what it's called. Uh, it could be Kanye. So Kane's Revenge. Uh, I picked up some Forza games and, uh, what was the other one? Burnout three, Mm. Burnout three, which is pretty cool. And as far as what I'm playing, um, I've been watching my wife play Harry Potter, the Hogwarts legacy. I technically didn't count that as a pickup for me because she bought that. That's how much she wanted it. Uh, so she bought that, started playing. I've been watching her play that. Cardia, I jumped back in on the same battle that I got completely wiped out on the other day. I was so pissed, man. Like, I I nearly took out everybody, right? And I was just on the cusp of finishing that battle. And I'd put new equipment on all my characters. So, like, you 
build equipment on on the spot and then equip all your characters and kind of move things along. And the one character died last time died again because he's level four and everybody else is level seven. And I have no idea why he's such a low level because I had been using him in all of the prior battles and he was doing just as much damage. I guess he just wasn't leveling up as fast. Hmm. And so I have this one character that continually dies and obviously he, you progress with him in the story. So I have to use him and I have to obviously battle with him because I need him to gain more experience. So it's just been, can you grind? No, no. Because it's just like battle speech, battle yeah. speech. There's not like extra anything you could do. No. So like he couldn't be a higher level than he is. No, he couldn't. So the only way for me to literally level grind is to put him in a scenario in which I have other characters in front of him and then I'm attacking with magic with him. I can't do a physical attack because he'll get wiped out. Mm-hmm. So I have to do magic attacks and there's only so much magic he can do. And if he doesn't hit them, he doesn't gain any experience. And since he's a low level, he's not necessarily hitting them every time with his magic. Uh, so dude, it's just been a nightmare of this one character. So I'm going to try it again tonight, most likely, and see if I can get past it and and move forward because I really want to play this game and I love the mechanics of it as I've continued to play with the the equipping and the different phantoms and stuff I'm really starting to like these mechanics and the story that's tied to it um so I just want to progress and then of course I've been playing Factorio we finally got our uranium deposit nice which has been great uh so we're mining uranium and uh moving forward with that and now exploring more of the world that I'm in and it's funny to wait it you know, when we set it or when I set it up, Justin was like, man, you messed up this map. Like, it's such a small map. Like, what'd you do? I'm like, dude, it's actually a really big map. It's just like, there's water. It's islands. And he's like, no, like this map is trash. Like, it's so bad. And so we're exploring and it's literally like four continents on this map. And all of them have their own respective areas. Like, you know, this is actually kind of good because like we can build without the interruption of all the enemies. But we have tons of enemies in these areas that are like morphing and turning into bigger, you know, creatures and we can go wipe them out and still have fun with the game, but we don't have to worry about them attacking our base all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point of doing islands. So it worked out and cool. uh, yeah, we're enjoying that. How about yourself? Uh, so like I said, I was messing around a little bit with the uh, NSO Game Boy. Um, didn't pick up anything this week. Uh, I have been playing more Brave Fencer Musashi, and I am decently into the game. I did find on the Internet Archive, they have the full, like, Brady walkthrough. So, that's cool. I'm actually, like, able to use the legit walkthrough. I have the physical if you want to borrow it. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I do. I mean, it's the same thing, but it's, uh, yeah, I enjoy, you know, at least being able to look at it when I get stuck sometimes. But for the most part, I'm trying to, like, just power through it and do it myself. It's super easy. Like, I finally got, like, a bunch of, like, new moves and stuff. Uh, I'm, like, three scrolls into getting the five scrolls. I think I'm on, like, of the guidebook. It's, like, 200 pages, and I'm, like, 120 pages in. So, I'm, like, most of the way there. I'm, like, two-thirds of the way there, I think. Nice. You think you'll beat it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm pushing through to actually beat this game. And then from there, I'll see about, you know... Whether I want to really dive into Pikmin, because I played like the first level, but I've been thinking about it more and more since you said it. Like, I mean, my whole issue with like emulating stuff was like, I didn't think we should talk about the value of something unless we're able to actually play that. Because when we tried emulating um, River City Ransom, River City Ransom, it just didn't play. And it was like, I was like, I don't feel like I even played the game. Like, what am I assessing here? How can I say if this is worth it or not? Because I didn't, 
I don't actually know what the game feels like to play because we played a laggy mess. You know, it's funny that that's the game that you were thinking of, and I knew right away which one it was. Because that's the when we had the discussion. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, you know, it, it, Pikmin seems like it controls fine, but, I mean, emulators are never perfect. Like, you know, Paper Mario on N64 feels like it's fine on my uh, phone, but there's a lot of graphical errors and stuff that come up, and it's like, I don't... You know, it's hard to judge something when you're not actually playing that real thing. Couldn't you just mod your Wii console and just do the Dolphin mod or whatever it is on there? Oh, yeah. I'd probably do that. Yeah, why not just do that to play Pikmin instead? Or is, are you just, in general, like, are rethinking because of the value component having to... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Um... I will allow you one change on your inflation deflation. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm really just waiting for... I'm biding my time. Like, I'm hoping that, like, now that we found you have this hole in your investment in GameCube going up in price every day, I'm just waiting for John to be like, man, I really need to get a Pikmin. Like, I've got all year for you to buy Pikmin. Uh, cool. I'll, <laughs> I'll buy it, like, Christmas Day and be like, all right, you got to beat it now. It only takes eight hours. How many hours? Eight hours. Really? Yeah. It's oh, like an shit. eight and a half hour game. Like, it's timed. That'd be a hilarious challenge, actually. Like, hey, I bought Pikmin. I know you haven't played it you yet. You have one day. You have one day to finish it. Oh, man, be, I would just go over to your place to watch you play and just bug you. <laughs> oh, you think you're going to beat it today? You think you're going to beat it? Hey, you want to go get some ice cream? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so so we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. I'll figure it out. So... Our inflation deflation this week, we played uh, some Dewey's Adventure on the Wii, and it was developed by Konami, published by Konami, uh, directed by uh, Masaki Yoniyama. Yoniyama? I thought you said Yo-Yo Mod first. I'm like, that's not correct, (laughs) Ryan. Uh, It was released in September of 2007. It is ironically a platformer, despite the fact that it didn't feel like it. And uh, reception is a 6 to a 7 out of 10. Uh, so general plot, uh, do you have that pulled up? Or... No, I don't. Okay. So I will pull it up. Really it quick. was, so the general plot started off with like a fairy tale story book being told about the world that they live in with this tree and this magical spirit of water named Dewey. Yeah, pretty close. All right, so Dewey lives in a mythical fairy tale world protected by the Tree of the Seven Colors. One day, the evil Don Hedron attempts to cover their world in darkness with the dark rain, actually. However, Don Hedron and his dark water are repelled by the tree and the fairies of the land. After a long period of peace, Don Hedron returns one day. The Tree of the Seven Colors soon becomes ill and is unable to protect the land as it, as it once did. With hope fading... It puts all of its remaining strength into Dewey, the only one who will be able to free the tree, uh, or really free the world, from the evils presented by Don Hedron like he did 1,000 years before. That is one old-ass drop of water. Yeah. I don't say that. I'll break this down for you folks. This is how Dewey works. Dewey is a little water drop, and he can change state. You can, in this game, you hold the Wiimote sideways, right? And you can hit down to cool the temperature down and he'll turn into an ice guy and all the world will get snowy or you could turn it up turn up the heat he'll turn into like a little cloud that can shoot down electricity but the whole game is controlled with tilt controls like it's monkey ball so you have to traverse this uh it's kind of like i don't know 
it is green hills and like yeah. little ponds. Everything's kind of like sort of miniature-ish looking, but it's kind of just like interesting, you know, topography. It's not like a whole world. It's more like uh, it's a maze board yeah. that you're trying to like get through or get up. But it's very, it's got a lot of verticality. There's lots of jumping. Um, there are enemies that you basically just kind of jump at to kill. Like you, it's not a precise game. You're mostly kind of swinging wildly around, trying to avoid flying off the edge. A lot of it has bumpers, but there's definitely ways you can jump off the edge or fly off the edge. I did it a bunch. Um, you are using your abilities to, you know, as the water drop, Dewey, you can't go in the water. So you need to turn everything to ice so that you can skate across the surface. And then... The, the, I don't know, the lightning cloud was pretty useless. Like, you can rain down lightning to make your attack stronger, but, like, you can't move as the cloud because you're not on the surface being able to roll around. Yeah, you could stun an enemy, and when you stun the enemy, it deals more damage. However, that requires the enemy to not get up right away, which it tends to <laughs> get up pretty quickly. And the tilt controls don't help because, well, once you land, you tilt out of the way, and you have, like, very little time to kind of get into that attack mode really quick. So It was bizarre. Yeah. After playing it for, like, a level and a half, I really And then started... I played about a level and a half pretty much and the boss. Yeah, I started to get kind of the feel for it. And this is one of those Wii titles that is, I think, a perfect Wii game. Like, it's not just garbage shovelware. Like, there's actually something there. Like, this was an idea that was executed, and it works. It's got, you know, its own ideas. It's not just some Wii garbage. Uh, it's definitely not, like, you know, a first-party banger. But, you know... I can't help but actually think that this is like a decent enough title to have in a Wii collection because it doesn't break the bank. It's got original stuff to it. You know, if you're a fan of Monkey Ball, which I really don't have much experience with, you know, this could really be more up your alley. You know, if you're more used to tilt controls, maybe if we were using a, a Wii Motion Sensor Plus. Oh, we were. It, oh, we were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were. We had Wii Motion Plus on the controller. So I don't know if that makes it way better. Like, I don't know if this is way worse on a regular Wiimote, but... Well, I mean, if you're playing Wii, you're definitely playing for Motion Plus control. Um, and honestly, if you're playing Wii, you should really just get a Wii U at that point. Mm. Um, unless you're doing it for the GameCube purposes. But, you know, I'm right there with you. Uh, the big thing for me is this game, I think the difference between a 6 and a 7 to a 9 out of 10 on a game like this, or maybe like an 8 or 9 is the fact that the controls are so wonky when it comes to, and there's not many controls. You hit one and two to do like a jump and an attack, and you press down and up to do certain things, and everything else is tilt-based. I almost wish that this didn't take advantage of a Wii, and that this was just a straight platformer you know, kind of like a Donkey Kong or uh, like the Donkey Kong platforming. Your I don't think like, there would be enough substance. I, no, not. I mean, here's the thing. Like, if I was to go through that level and it's flat and it wasn't always tilting, I think that that I would have got just as much fun, if not more, outside of frustration I would feel when jumping onto a, See, a mushroom or a flower. The novelty is what does it for me. If this was just a regular platformer, I'd be like, why? There's a million way better platformers that not offering you anything. Yeah, I mean, it is a kid's platformer for sure. Like when you kind of figure it out that way too. Like this isn't a game that like you or I would generally if it was just straight flat platformer, this isn't a game that's kind of dedicated to URI. It's dedicated to more like 
a 10 year old, right? Um, but it's still a decent game and I get it. Like the novelty does make sense, right? It does kind of solidify this as a Wii game. It does make it challenging for somebody like you or I, cause I was like, God, this is frustrating. Trying like, to nail that jump to get up to yeah. get that one that I kept going over. Like it has a challenge. Yeah, it, it was challenging for that. Um, now in the areas where it's not challenging, we obviously experience that with the battling of the different creatures. You hit them with an ice spin and they're done, right? Yeah. Like it's the challenge for this is more so keeping your balance on the level um and then even the boss battle wasn't that challenging like we just kind of it was just time consuming we, yeah. we were like okay we got to record yeah this like, is going we, on yeah we'll kill him eventually we just don't want to spend the extra five minutes it's gonna take to relentlessly roll around yeah. him and hit him at the right spot but you know outside of that you know controls are very simple it's obviously not my style as far as like the tilt controls i'm not a huge fan but you know art style was there music was there i thought gameplay was generally pretty good graphics were not bad at all so i mean for a wii game so in general i wasn't disappointed with this i don't think seven necessarily means bad no no not at all i mean the six or seven like it's okay is what it means so and i think that's what it is it's okay and so uh complete in box you're looking at 934 for this game uh, it peaked at 1099 and so what we're kind of doing here is also looking at this from like a year ago or two years ago versus like no five eight years ago because it was like 40 bucks back then that's just not reasonable to no, no, no today so so peaked at 1099 in august of 2021 basically with those parameters and it's trending down actually uh loose copy we'll run you 536 and that peaked at ten dollars in september of 2008 uh, and that was, well, I don't know why you put two, 2008, but you put one year out, 2008 in your notes. So I'm assuming it peaked at $10 loose. No, so that's what I was trying to say. So instead of going all the way back to when the used game was $45, one year out from its release, oh. it was at $10. Oh, okay. I so we're setting that for the peak so that you can realize that, you know, this has gone down $5, not $40. Okay. Cause you're complete in box August 21. That's why I got confused. Well, that's the price as of August 21. The peak price was at 1099 yeah. last August or two August ago. I'm still confused, but it's currently 934 <laughs> is what you yes. can buy it at. Uh, so I would think at 10 bucks, I think it's just right. Yeah, I think this is one that, you know, if you spent 10 bucks on this, you could definitely have 10 bucks worth of fun. And I don't know that it's ever really going to go like, up or down much like you could find this probably less than ten dollars but i wouldn't be mad at it for ten dollars i really wouldn't no i wouldn't i mean you saw my price it was like 350 mm -hmm. is what i paid for it so uh you know i've, I've made 60 percent back roughly right now 100 something percent back um yeah i think 10 bucks just right sounds good to me we'll mark that down and uh definitely check it out if you got a wii console or a wii u and uh, you're looking for something unique to play cheap doesn't break the budget type of game and, worth and it's not just shovelware like divorce it from your shovelware <laughs> divorce it from your shovelware <laughs> all right well uh next week we're looking to play uniracers on the super nintendo that's the current plan so we'll see how that goes uh but this has been episode 223 of the game Flares podcast my name is john i'm ryan and thanks for listening <laughs>